What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Crew Sports Pod. I'm Michael Kim, as always, joined here by Vito Patel. It's episode 48. We got college football bowl season. It's already started, but we got the New Year's Six Bowls coming up in a couple weeks. We're going to be previewing all of that. But first, the World Cup has just concluded, and safe to say, or at least it's in the argument, that that is probably one of the best World Cups we've ever seen. Uh, not bad for the first one. You followed pretty closely, huh, Vito? Yeah, yeah. This is first one I followed this closely, and it was, boy, every, it was so fun. It was so fun, and it was just so cool too to see like Twitter and like social media where people all around the world just tweeting, getting excited about every little part of it. But the last game really didn't disappoint, and the whole world was going crazy. It looked like it was gonna disappoint, but it did not. Yeah. Oh my God. The first mm, what seventy nine minutes. By the French were horrible. Yeah, it was all Argentina. I mean, it was like, yeah, I mean, they got up 2-0 pretty quick, and it looked like they had complete control of the game. And, like, France looked like they were just dead. They were tired. They did nothing. Like, they didn't even get a shot off, I don't think. They had maybe one shot off, but it was not on goal. Um, Until Mbappe, I'm going to be honest, looked like the only one that came ready to play for France. And amazing. What a game for the upcoming superstar. A hat trick in the finals. I I think that's the first hat trick in the World Cup finals. Uh, two of them came on penalties, and he converted in penalties after extra time. So he made three penalties that game against you know the goalie of the tournament and a goalie that's looked to be pretty good at stopping penalties uh, through the whole tournament. Yeah, I was gonna say he looked pretty good against Netherlands and looked really really good against all of Mbappe's teammates. I mean, uh, three, he was three for three, but the rest of his teammates were one for three uh, in a small sample size. But uh, he looked pretty good. He looked was a really good goalie. And yeah, that was absolutely electric. Uh, I don't know. There's just so much that happened. But uh, the second half of the uh, added time uh, was insane. Uh, even like that last save at the end of regulation for Francis. Oh yeah. I, I don't know. I saw those Twitter views go crazy. That was like, is that similar to LeBron's block on Iguodala, the game seven of the finals? Oh, I saw that too. Actually. I saw that <laughs> even both each goalie had a huge save. Cause Lloris has a save on one of Messi's shots. Oh, Messi's shots. Yeah. Um, yeah. I know what you're talking about. I'll launch that up. Yeah. Oh my God. Super nerve wracking both sides. And I mean, I just didn't want the game to end. And after Messi scored that goal, I was like, oh no, it's really is over for France, but at least they fought hard. But then that handball, uh, that was insane. Yeah, I gave Mbappe a chance for a hat trick. So I said last week, I think the only way Mbappe can like stay on pace to be in the GOAT conversation one day was if he got his second World Cup at the age of 23. But I think he played well enough that I think he still is on pace. Now, you know, Messi and Ronaldo by this age have won a Ballon d'Or and a Champions League, something he has not done yet. But I mean, this kid has got time. I think he showed he is special. And he doesn't need, even if his teammates play poorly, he can put a team on his back. Uh, that was amazing performance by him. Uh, good performance by Messi, though, on the other side, too. Two goals, and one from penalty, and he converted his penalty when it came down to it after extra time. He really did play really big at the last stage. Before I ask you a, the big question that I was waiting for, I didn't want to make a comment that... I didn't realize how, like, like I said, I'm a novice in the sport, but Mbappe is so fast. I could not, 
Like <laughs> his yeah. speed was insane. It's like reminds me like again, I gotta make sport comparisons to other sports. It reminds me like Cheetah playing football against everyone else. Yeah, I wonder who's faster actually. Cause it, like I think generally soccer players that you have more fast players, you have more like pace merchants, but no Mbappe's speed is electric. It is it is different. Um but Mbappe won the golden boot for this tournament. He had eight goals in this World Cup. Um, I think he had four goals from his last World Cup. So he's already at 12 World Cup goals, which is tied for sixth all time in 14 games. And I don't think he's going anywhere anytime soon. I think he's got at least two more World Cups. So I I would not be surprised. To see if he passed that World Mbappe, Cup record. Mbappe ends up, yeah. The record is 19, I'm pretty sure, by Miroslav Klose, the German. I remember watching him get that record back in 2014. That's, wow. So, he's seven away. Um, I think he get that in two World Cups. Plus, this France team looks young, looks good, and looks like he'll be back and competing for the World Cup again in four years. Yeah, that would be amazing to see. But talking about all-time greats, though, the conversation that's been emerging after that, a lot of people were quick to say immediately that Messi is the go. What do you think? Oh, okay. You're going to make me get into this, Vito. Well, I got a long answer for this. But let me start by saying that the GOAT debate goes back over 20 years. All right, not just these last two. Back from 2000, when Messi's father signed a napkin committing him to Barcelona at the age of 13. From 2003, when a teenage Ronaldo ran circles around an experienced Man United team in a friendly performance so good that Sir Alex Ferguson had to make sure the Portuguese teenager was on Man United's bus ride home as a new member of the team. From 2004, when Messi made his Barcelona senior team debut after quickly rising through the B team, the C team, and to the senior team after embarrassing the first team players in practice. To 2008, when a then 23-year-old Ronaldo was the main man that led Manchester United to three straight Premier League titles and his first Champions League on his way to winning the Ballon d'Or that year. To Messi winning the next four Ballon d'Ors in a row and Ronaldo winning the next four out of five Ballon d'Ors, capping 10-year period of Messi versus Ronaldo and everyone else miles behind them. Okay, that 10-year span included an unforgettable 2012 where Messi scored an unimaginable record-breaking 91 goals in a calendar year. And that 10-year span also included eight straight years of Ronaldo scoring over 50 goals and four straight years of Ronaldo scoring over 60 goals from 2011 to 2014. During the four years that Messi won Ballon d'Or in a row, that run included... 41 goals and 15 assists in 2009 for 56 goal contributions. 60 goals and 17 assists in 2010 for 77 goal contributions. 59 goals and 36 assists in 2011 for 95 goal contributions. And of course, in 2012, 91 goals and 22 assists for 113 goal contributions. During Ronaldo's time in Madrid, he racked up a couple of La Liga titles. And four Champions League titles in five years, including a 3P in which during those 38 Champions League games across three seasons, he scored 47 goals and 12 assists and was the Champions League's leading scorer in all five of the years that he won it. All right, Messi spent 20 years at Barcelona, 
He appeared in 778 games and scored 672 goals, 269 assists, and went on to win 35 trophies with the club, including 10 La Liga titles, 7 Copa del Reyes, and 4 Champions League. Ronaldo has gone on to not only win league titles in Europe's top three leagues, the Premier League of England with Manchester United, La Liga of Spain with Real Madrid, and Serie A of Italy with Juventus, and was the leading scorer in all 12 domestic league and Champions League winning campaigns, which no other player can say they did that. But he also won the golden boot of each of Europe's top three leagues and scored over 100 goals in each of Europe's top three leagues. In their prime, these two went head-to-head at least twice a year in El Clasico when Real Madrid played Barcelona. And for those 90 minutes, Vito, the stage was set like a World Cup final where all eyes were on these two living legends as over 700 million people would tune in for a regular season game. The only sporting event with more views is the Champions League finals or the World Cup. When Ronaldo left Madrid for Turin, it broke my heart. And when Messi was forced to leave Barcelona in 2021, it saddened even the biggest Real Madrid and Ronaldo fans, including myself. In my life, I have never witnessed any two sports figures that have the polarizability of these two greats with the world seemingly split between idolizing the man from Madeira or obsessing over the boy from Rosario. Messi holds records for, get ready, most Ballon d'Ors, most Golden Boots, most goals for one club, and most assists of all time, while Ronaldo holds records for most ever goals scored, most ever international goals scored, most Champions League goals scored, and most seasons as a Champions League top scorer, and most Champions League assists, and as a top scorer in Real Madrid history. I could go on for the rest of the hour about the records and unbelievable stats each of these guys have accomplished. So the point is, the GOAT is who inspires a generation who makes you stand dumbfounded and speechless with your hands on your head and your jaw to the floor, staring at the TV and taking the rest of the week to try and process what you just witnessed. The GOAT is who accomplished what you thought was impossible and made you believe in wizardry and witchcraft. Whether it be Messi's magic through the midfield, keeping the ball on a string with alien-like ability that no defender could come near before he picked out a pass you didn't even know existed or put in a goal you never saw coming. Or Ronaldo's flare down the sideline, preying on hopeless little defenders and speeding past them before powering a shot of superhuman ability from miles out and looking like it was going to tear through the back of the net and maybe hit someone in the stands. Or his ability to innovate the game with his infamous knuckleball technique or iconic Ronaldo chop. Whether it be Messi with a nation behind him who thought they could win everything or Ronaldo inspiring a nation making them think they were a powerhouse when before they weren't even on the map. Both established an unfathomable amount of hope for their nations solely because their names were in the lineup. At their heights, each was a divine being playing against mere mortals at their mercy with each half of the world convinced they could move a mountain. And growing up, watching each of them evolve from a phenom to world-class player and to beyond to a class of their own that I can't even describe at this point, no one watching Ronaldo over the years could ever fathom or be convinced that anyone could do more, win more, or accomplish more, or be better at any sport than he was. And the same could be said about those watching Messi throughout the years. 
So whoever inspired you, drew you to the game, made you believe in the impossible, is the GOAT. These two were not only the best footballers of all time, but these two guys are sporting royalty that even the most famous and influential figures in the world look to in awe, as we saw during this World Cup, especially when Messi won it. Neither, in my opinion, will ever be replaced, even as the next great set of superstars like Mbappe attempt to try and conquer the game. Because Ronaldo and Messi did more than conquer football. These two together going at each other and battling each other through the years took over the world. And at the highest moments of each of their careers, the other's name was always there no matter what. Without Ronaldo, there is no Messi. And without Messi, there is no Ronaldo. So, make of that what you will. To me, no matter what happens, Ronaldo inspired me to not only watch soccer and run home to my TV to turn on Madrid every weekend and, and weekday that they were playing. I played soccer because of him. I bought his shoes, and he is who I idolized growing up throughout elementary school, middle school, and high school. And I have friends and family who did the same but with Messi. There's no way, no matter what either does, you will ever convince me Ronaldo is not the GOAT, and there's no way, no matter how hard I try, I will ever convince them that Messi is not the GOAT. Wow. Wow. That was amazing. <laughs> uh, I learned so much just in that take, too, uh, and the way you put it. But, man, they are so decorated. I, I didn't realize how decorated both of them were. You could pro- like you said, you could probably pick so many stats, and you could make an argument one way or the other. And them playing at the same time, is probably what the most insane thing ever in the most popular sport in the world, uh, dividing the whole world. I think the best way I could put it in North American sports terms would be if Michael Jordan played for the like the Lakers the same time that LeBron was playing for the Celtics and they went at it every year for the championships, both like in their prime together. That yeah, and that would be absolutely insane. And both of them still seeing the same level of successes they saw alone together uh, would be absolutely nuts. Yeah, here at North American Sports, it's only hypotheticals with Jordan and LeBron. You will never know. There, there's like it's still. I mean, it's still a hypothetical because their greatness is just so amazing. But you got to see them at the same time, and they went head to head so many times. I can't like compare it to anything else I've ever seen, and like. Even for me, so like I said, Ronaldo is what drew me to the sport. I'm so glad I was able to witness it, first of all, and I don't take it for granted. Um, but I wasn't there from the very, very beginning. Of course, I went back and like watched all the highlights and everything. So like I knew who he was and what he was like. But tuning in live and eager to tune in and and watch every game started when he came to Madrid. And I would spend you know Saturdays and Sundays watching league play and and trying during the day on like Tuesdays and Wednesdays afternoon watching Champions League. And I always want to turn it on and, and watch Ronaldo. And I remember all of all, all four Champions League runs with Madrid. I remember all four teams and just the the magic that they made happen from like bicycle kicks, sending the team to the championship to to back to back hat tricks in the knockout stages just to move on against other great teams. It's just uh, uh, like, honestly, it was magic. That was my best way of trying to put it into words. Uh, But 
I really can't put it into words. What I've seen over the years and like, sure, this this is why also I was just so frustrated with this World Cup or with Portugal. I mean, I love the World Cup. It was probably one of the greatest ever. And the fact that Messi ended up winning it at the end probably makes it even better. But I was so frustrated with Portugal because of like how they handled Ronaldo that, I mean, once once he's gone, I will not root for Portugal. The way Argentina plays for Messi is amazing. Portugal only did that in 2016 when they won the Euro. They did that for Ronaldo. They're playing for Ronaldo. Now they 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 do not play for their legend, their leader, and I just I don't like them. Yeah, no that that was definitely frustrating. Uh, well, it's the coach, the coach. It was coach's decision too, but I don't know. I, I definitely see like the huge love Argentina had for Messi. Uh, I mean, I, I can't speak too much about Portugal. I don't know what the people were thinking. Uh, but it seemed like that was the uh, communication between the coach. And Ronaldo, and that was kind of upsetting because I wasn't. I mean, I don't, I don't watch too much soccer, but I'd love to have seen him not be, you know, benched for some of the biggest games of his towards the end of his career in his last World Cup. Yeah, I mean, you saw how Argentina was treating Messi. I mean, they've always been like that, but that's how Portugal was in 2016 during that Euros run, which they actually also beat France in the final. And same goalie. So, so much history between all these players against each other. It's it's amazing. And now, so hopefully, it's like for me, Ronaldo was my inspiration, what got me into the sport. I started watching him during his prime. Now you're kind of getting into it now. So like Mbappe could be your guy that you watch through his prime and watch him take over. Yeah, and I think he'll, he's going to inspire a bunch of generations, to be honest. It was, it was definitely interesting. Uh, small note, small wholesome note. Uh, I was with my little cousin watching the game, and they're into soccer right now. They both play soccer. And they only knew two players that game, but they could stop cheering for Mbappe. Um, and they were, my little cousin was almost ready to cry when they lost. I was like, wow, that's crazy. It's That is the next generation. They were 9 and 10, respectively. Yeah, I think Mbappe is going to be that for the next generation. But there's not anyone else. Like, So if Mbappe is going to be, you know, Ronaldo, let's say, there's not anyone that's going to be Messi. Yeah. I don't think, I already think it's hard for Mbappe to keep up with, you know, the Messi versus Ronaldo debate. Especially, like I said, by by the time they were his age, they had won Ballon d'Ors. And Messi won his first at 23. And then he won two, three, and four the next following years. And then after that, Ronaldo went on to win four of five before Messi won another one. Or then Modric won it. And then, but Messi ended up getting more. But the thing was, it was Messi versus Ronaldo. Anytime one of them accomplished anything, the other's name still gets brought up. It was just the two greatest of all time that we just got to watch go at it. Especially then when Ronaldo moved to Madrid and it was them actually going at it every year for the Spanish League and in El Clasico and just a regular season game became like one of the biggest sporting events in the world. And I think that's just also why their legends just just grew to anything beyond just them and beyond soccer. That's crazy to think about. Their average game on an annual basis probably attracts more <laughs> watchers than the Super Bowl. Oh, yeah, easily. And there's whole trips set to, like, you can, like, like there's bundles from, like, includes, like, a flight to Madrid or Barcelona with hotel stay, with game tickets, with everything. That's just for that game that you have to book, like, a year out. Wow. 
and it was because it's it was messy versus I mean those two clubs playing it's always called a classico but when it was those two playing at their height it was it was unlike anything I mean I'm bad. I mean I didn't realize the 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 stat that uh that you listed that just absolutely blew my mind was a Ballon d'Or one where it was four in a, like Cristiano one then four in a row Messi one and he said four of the next five Ronaldo one that means they split ten. Well, and the one in the middle, yeah, the one in the middle between Ronaldo's four or five was Messi, obviously. Yeah, if that wasn't obvious. Oh, yeah, perfectly the middle of those, yeah. That is just insane. I mean, that for is... 10 years, I mean, and even after, it was Ronaldo or Messi and then everyone else. Luca snuck one in. <laughs> but... Yeah, like, that's what it would be like. Wow, that's that's crazy. But dang, that was uh, I was definitely happy. I watched and paid attention to a lot of the World Cup. Uh, I did finish second place for anyone who's following in my work bracket. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, because uh, Argentina, won. Argentina won. The guy who chose Argentina was correct on that. But it was very, very close. Uh, and yeah, it was a fun bracket. Everyone, I don't know, everyone was just super active. Was, I was just upset that it's over now. Well, you're a natural, so now you can maybe. If if you know Mbappe is now your favorite, you can follow him now, or you can whoever you like for the World Cup, you can follow uh, back in their European competition now. There's quite a few names I picked up on this time too, so I'm, I'm excited to see how that works. Yeah, so we can talk soccer now. You just ask me. Hopefully, I'll know them. I can tell you where they play and, and when they're playing. Bet. And now that you know how like the World Cup works, you know how like other soccer stuff works, and now leagues and and all that work. Yeah. Once you start, it's pretty easy to pick up. It's just there's so much that like without like you're just going into it, you're like, oh, there's too much, and then you get drawn away. But once you like know a little bit, you're like, okay, it's not too bad. Yeah, that makes sense. No, I, I'm excited to follow a little more, and I'll be ready for 2026. Oh yeah, when it's here. Yep. Yep. But you'll you'll know a lot more players by then, probably then. Yeah. I hope so. Yeah. All right. Well, with that, okay, we'll we'll talk some college football now. So we got the we'll just preview the New Year's Six or whichever New Year's Six bowls we like, and then of course the the two playoff bowls. Um. So we will start with our favorite team. So we got Notre Dame versus South Carolina. So I guess Drew Pine said he's going to Arizona State now. So he's officially out of here. And so they announced that Buckner's going to be starting. He's going to be back. Yeah, apparently he's practicing. He's it looks like he's gonna be good to go. So it looks like Buckner's gonna start, and honestly, that just excites me a lot because, well, it's probably the best thing that could happen for the team because for them before they sign someone in the transfer portal, we'll see if he has the man. If not, I mean, twenty twenty four, we're getting five star CJ Carr. But regardless, this is like the best thing I think that could happen because uh, I don't think. I think Pine is a serviceable quarter, a backup quarterback. Like most of the year, most of his magic was just handing the ball off. Uh, I th- I thought Buckner had a ceiling, and again, I know a lot of Irish fans counted him out, but he didn't really do much either. The first couple games, he went up against a really good Ohio State defense, and early in the year, Notre Dame's offensive line for some reason didn't get his magic. Joe Alt didn't emerge yet, and um, yeah, they weren't making many pushes. But I think the line's gotten a little better, so I'm excited to see how he plays. Yeah, I guess that that was interesting. In the beginning, our line was horrible because like it wasn't doing good for him. It wasn't doing good for the run game. We got to started getting picked up, especially after our bye week. So maybe now we'll be better with with the run game and a running quarterback. Um, but I think our offense just changes completely with him in because he's I he doesn't have the same like skill sets that Pine does. Pine's more like pocket passer. This guy's more 
get out of the pocket and run. Yeah. No, I totally agree with that. But no Mayer is going to be huge. Even though I know he didn't play with Buckner all year. And it, like for Pine, Mayer was obviously his go-to guy um, and that he relied on. But it'll be interesting to see where the offense goes. Because I don't think we can run it every single play. Yeah, I agree. Honestly, th- th- this is such a weird game, to be honest. We basically had a whole season, and our quarterback and our two best players are just not playing in it. And we're basically previewing the next season. So uh, we had a whole different quarterback, really. Uh, I think that's the most uh, excited I could be for a game that we're not playing in the playoffs, just to see a whole new slate. And it's actually a quality opponent, a team that beat two back-to-back top team, 10 teams to end the season in South Carolina. Probably only team to do that to end the season, I think. Uh, two back-to-back top 10 wins, so probably the hottest team in all of college football. So I love this matchup, uh, and we'll, let's see how Buckner uh, fares out. I mean, are they losing anyone? Is anyone sitting out for them? <laughs> not, or like not that I know of. Uh, oh, Rattler's too. He's not going. He's got another year of eligibility, right? He's coming back next year, right? Yeah. Yep. Rattler, I feel like he's played for so long just because he was the quarterback at Oklahoma before Caleb Williams. But like, it's just so much happened so recently in college football. Because Caleb Williams and Lincoln Riley transferred out of there, and then Caleb Williams wins a Heisman. So it just feels like that was so long ago, but it was like two years ago that Rattler was the freshman phenom at Oklahoma. Yeah, well, so right now, the line for Notre Dame actually is Irish minus two and a half. The Irish are favored. Oh, so apparently South Carolina's top corner Cam Smith and top uh, defensive tackle Zach Pickens are out of the game uh, for... NFL draft, and then they have a couple players tra- transferring on offense, but they're not, you know, they're not NFL caliber like those other two. Well, let me tell you, they don't need the top corner. It doesn't really hurt them because <laughs> you don't need the corners to guard our receivers. Yeah. I will say too, another thing that might be better for Buckner though is I think our, our receivers did start playing better towards the end of the season. We had a young receiver group, so uh, I mean, the way I had to think of it is when. Buckner played against Ohio State. I don't think anyone was open, and nor could we run the ball. So poor, like Buckner didn't really get to do much. I I think Buckner will have a. I don't know. I can't say too much because I don't want to overhype him, and he just plays absolutely awful. Like I'm fair. I'm fair on my analytics. If he sucks, he sucks. Uh, my big thing <laughs> is I just don't think we gave him enough of a chance yet. I don't think we have either. I mean, I don't think he's really gotten a chance. But I'm be honest. I I just don't like like the running the round quarterbacks. I like the more yeah. Not necessarily traditional, like athletic guy, but like pass first. I just feel like Buckner's run first. Yeah, no, I mean, and that's what we mostly used him for when his freshman year. He was only in the running packages, and uh, he wasn't able to pass much his first two games. So there's no, we haven't really got to see much of his passing abilities yet. Well, is that just because bad play calls or because he doesn't have any? Yeah, and, and I don't know. I I hope he is bad play calls or bad <laughs> players, but if he doesn't have any, I mean, I'm glad that we get to, get to test him out before uh we look into the transfer portal. Like I, I I can't see this as a loss. No, that's true. Yeah, I think it's a good preview for at worst what we got next year. I mean, a lot of storylines for non uh near six bowl and two ranked matchups. Uh, yeah, it'll be a good one. Uh, but I'm gonna be honest, I'm surprised we're favored. I don't think we'll win this game. <laughs> really. Yeah, I guess it's too too many new pieces for me to be like comfortable with like saying like yeah we're about to we're about to win or or handle this game. Absolutely, yeah. And I mean that South Carolina team 
they look really good on offense in the season. I think Rattlers played his two best games uh, against two pretty. I mean, especially Clemson's a really good defense. So the them missing two defensive players against Notre Dame for the NFL draft doesn't really seem to change the fact that their South Carolina's offense looked pretty good, and we don't have Foskey either. Well, hopefully our defense can do a similar game like we did on Clemson, but Foskey was a huge part of that. Yeah, his pressure adds another factor for sure. And the punt blocks. Yeah. We'll need at least one of those. <laughs> to come out of top. But, man, who knows? It might be Bunker's coming out party. A lot, to, lot of uh, question marks coming into that game. But I'm excited. It's, since Vegas favors Notre Dame, though, then I'll probably take it. Because I feel like that's something that's unexpected. Um, yeah, the new rule. Okay. Yeah. Um. All right. Going on to the New Year's Six Bowls, we got Alabama versus Kansas State. Bama, Nick Saban somehow got both Will Anderson and... Bryce Young to plan to play this game? I I can't. Like, that is amazing that he could do that. These guys are probably going to be, at worst, top 10 picks. Most likely, both of them will come top five. Uh, to have two players that elite, guaranteed to make that kind of NFL money, play in a non-playoff uh, game, is just insane. That just shows how much they respect Saban and the team and, uh, you know, what it means to be a Crimson Tide. I actually love that, especially when you see Basically, every other game we're going to talk about have all their top, especially first round picks or first round projected picks are all sitting out and all, you know, want to go the route of of low risk um, for saving to get his two top five picks playing uh, in this game. Yeah, I, I love that. You hate injuries. That's the worst part of sports, but you love to see more guys playing in these games or else they just turn into exhibitions like you've mentioned before. Um, so I love that both these guys are playing. And with that, gives Bama favored by six points. I've taken that all day long, uh, man. If I, I don't know if I get pre-take that for, for uh, the pick, uh, the locks, but um, six points. I think one of the part of the reason why these two are playing is because Saban was saying that they could be any team in the playoffs, and they lost two close games. And he was also talking about how TCU's lost. He didn't say it's essentially, but he said TCU's loss was an impressive point to Kansas State. I think he wants to prove to them that Kansas State's not all that. And adding in Bill Anderson and Bryce Young is the feel that, like, is the ammunition that Bama's going to pull up on uh, Kansas State. I think they're going to destroy them 20 points. Yes, you're gonna. they're going to win, and you're going to see why I thought they should be in the playoffs instead of TCU. Yeah, Alabama was definitely probably the most talented team, maybe outside of Georgia and Ohio State, maybe. Uh, it's just they didn't deserve it this year. Two losses, but yeah, they're definitely better. All right, fine, fine. I guess, so you're saying that the committee is picking most deserving teams, not the best four teams. I thought we were supposed to pick, if we're picking the best four teams, I mean, it's kind of unfair though, but Bama was always in it. Well, exactly. I, I mean, given the talent that Bama had, they should have probably won all their games. Uh Maybe unless they lost to Georgia in the championship game. So I don't think they deserved it this year. But you still think they're a top four team? Yeah, probably the third best team in terms of talent. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, all right. Probably the best named bowl, the Orange Bowl, Tennessee versus Clemson. Um, DJ's getting benched. Orange on orange. <laughs> I love I love that. But yeah, DJ, DJ not playing, Kate Klovnik playing. I think they're equally good. Uh, I think because uh, they both sucked against Notre Dame. Club Nick's first like pass against Notre Dame was a pick, so I don't think he was all that good. I think uh, a lot of Clemson fans are just tired of 
Uh, the offense is being pretty bad, so they're putting it all on DJ. Uh, but either way, if they're about, if he's equally as good as DJ, this Clemson team was a pretty solid team with uh, two losses. Um, and so did Tennessee. But top ten, future top ten pick, uh, Miles Murphy is going to opt out for Clemson. He's not going to play in this game. And they have a list of seven transfers that include DJ Oyunglele and uh, star receiver. EJ Williams. So Clemson's going to be a little not to their full strength against Tennessee. But to be fair, Heisman, uh, hopeful earlier in the season, Hendon Hooker and uh, Blitnikoff winner Jalen Hyde are both uh, going to opt out too. So I guess the reason I want to talk about this game, one, the name of the game was pretty cool Orange Bowl and the <laughs> like two the best orange, orange teams. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The two best orange teams in the country. But two, this is like their B teams playing each other. And that's kind of frustrating. Like, there's so many players missing this game for both teams. What do you think of that? How are you supposed to know what thing when your your Tennessee your starting your starting quarterback and your top receiver are gone, and then Clemson you just got guys from all over gone. I don't know what I don't know how you can make any prediction because like you've never seen these. Well, I guess Hooker did get hurt at the end of the year, so he's held it back up a little bit. But like, there's just too much change for you to actually be able to like with any confidence say that you think you know what's going to happen. Um, but that's interesting. I didn't know DJ transferred already. Yeah. I don't think he has a new destination, but he enters a portal. Maybe he ends up in her name. <laughs> Who knows? No, I, I'm going to be honest. From the first year that we saw him, when Lawrence was out, when they came to South Bend that one year and DJ came in, since then, man, I, I just, I'm not been very impressed by him. I think he's got a kind of a low ceiling. Yeah, I agree. He's definitely had some really good games, but he's like really bad games too. The most he'd be the most streaky shooter if he was basketball. He'd have like hundred yard games and four hundred yard games and like really nothing in between. And you don't know what you get from the dude. And I can't you can't have that big year. Especially for a program like Clemson. Absolutely. Charles Lawrence game in and game out was balling out. The same thing with Deshaun Watson. Uh so the DJ uh, era in Clemson has kind of been a failure because of his inconsistency. Uh, I mean, failure for them is 10-win seasons, given what the amount of success they had with the previous two quarterbacks. But yeah, he's really just hurt that. And then Tennessee, they had the best season uh, pretty much in program in the last like 20 years. So it's probably like Peyton Manning. And now they, there's no last hurrah. You don't get to see their two superstars on offense. Interestingly enough, uh, Clemson's favored by five and a half. I don't know how they came up with that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like, <laughs> this is tough because like, how how like how are you supposed to guess what's gonna happen based off of like having half those starting lineups? No, yeah, that, I think that's a complete guess. Maybe they trust uh, Clemson's long uh, history of great defense, and they trust that. And maybe there's the overhype of Clay Cave Clubnick, because I mean Cave Clubnick, I think was a five star quarterback. That's why everyone like is super hyped about the dude. But I, he hasn't shown much either, in my opinion. So who knows? It's probably just based off of hype, but I agree with you. There's no way you could tell. And clubs is way, missing way more starters. Yeah, that's the thing. So like, I would have maybe gave the edge to Clemson initially because like maybe Tennessee's defense they gave up points. It was more like they they were more relying on their offense. But you got your two stars out, and then Clemson like half their defense is like transferring or out. So I, jeez, I have no idea. <laughs> That'd definitely be a sicko mode pick if someone was to take that a parlay. All right, but so we got the college football playoffs in 2023. We'll start with one versus four, the one that we probably thought or most people probably assumed was going to be the championship after probably like a week or two of the regular season. Number one, Georgia 
Number four, Ohio State. Unfortunately, though, no Jackson Smith and Jigba. I don't think he's going to... I think the, the he wanted to come back, but he's not going to be healthy enough. So he said he's just going to go focus on the draft. Am I right in saying that? Absolutely, yeah. Uh, some folks thought he was trying to skip the game, but he's just not healthy enough. And uh, I don't think he'll have time to practice with the team. I think... I mean, you know, if they win this game, I, they just said he's just out for the playoffs regardless. So no Jackson Smith and Jigba. But I mean, it's just crazy how they re- keep reloading these Ohio State receivers. Uh, last year, losing Garrett Wilson and Olave should have been a big deal, but it wasn't at all. And they didn't actually, in fact, they pretty much lost JSN too uh, because he hasn't played this year. But Emeka Igbuka and most notably Marvin Harrison Jr. have been absolutely balling for Ohio State. Uh, two 1,000 yard receivers. That's crazy. Yeah. Just basically replaces all. Last year, they had three 1,000-yard receivers, though, which is insane. To even have that on a team. To put that in perspective, Michael Mayer doesn't even have 1,000 yards. Um, and I thought he was, like, balling. He's our only receiver. Yeah. Uh, so it's just insane that they could just keep doing that. Uh, but Georgia is just so dominant. Other than they had this one fluke game against Missouri that was a four-point game. But every single game just absolutely destroying teams on both sides of the ball. Uh, and the, okay, this is the reason why I don't think Bama really deserves to have an argument because so Bama's two losses, Tennessee and LSU, Georgia beat them so bad. It wasn't really even a close game either of those games. Yeah, actually, I never really like thought of uh, how Georgia played against Bama's losses. So yeah, that's true. So I think, you know, through the transit probably like that, Georgia would probably take care of Bama then. Yeah, I don't. I really don't know if any team really does match well against Georgia. But in my opinion, Ohio State is the team that matches the best because last year Alabama beat them, uh, beat Georgia when uh, Mechie and J- Jamison Williams were going off. Just two receivers that would spread them out and a quarterback to get them the ball. And the championship game, Alabama couldn't compete with Georgia because both of them got injured. So this year, though, Ohio State does have. Igbuka and Marvin Harrison, which could be Georgia's kryptonite, two really good receivers. So for this game, the line is Georgia minus six and a half. Georgia by a touchdown? I don't, I don't know, cover not cover. I don't really like the spread, but I think Georgia wins. I think they are still the best team. They've been the best team all year. They pretty much have been the number one every week. Uh, I think there's pretty much no doubt they're the most talented team right now in this playoffs. and. I think when they're not the most talented team, they still play really well. Uh, They're tough for anyone to match up with. Honestly, actually, I think Michigan might match up with them the best. But I I have Georgia winning the championship, not just this game. A repeat for Georgia. I So that's what I think. I think if Georgia wins this game, I think they win the whole thing. I know Michigan, if they win, they'll want that revenge against Georgia because Georgia knocked out Michigan last year. But Georgia's Michigan... Like I, I agree what you said, like what you're saying, because both both of them are really good on both O line and D line. But I just think Georgia's both lines are better than Michigan's lines, and Georgia has more skilled players. They have more skilled secondary and more skilled uh, quarterback. I think. I think. Uh, well, sets and beds like 26, 25. <laughs> He's just pretty old. But <laughs> yeah, Georgia has a whole complete team. Uh, and I don't know. I want I want Ohio State to win and be really hype just because, okay, they made up for the Michigan loss by coming back and hopefully beating Michigan in the championship. It'd be a great storyline. But this Georgia team is just on a new tier. Like they've not really been touched this year. And really last year outside that one Bama game. They were, yeah, I was going to say they were, 
barely touched last year. They were pushed by Bama, and that was it. Yeah, and they got they made up for it by beating them in the championship game, and giving that first game of the season, that Oregon game, where that Oregon team turned out to be pretty solid. Georgia absolutely destroyed them, and that that was like when they had a lot of time to prep and look at plays and stuff. I feel like this Georgia team will be re- more ready for the air raid this year. So uh, it'll be tough. It'll be tough. My heart wants Ohio State to win, but I think you're right. Georgia will probably win this game. And it could be a blowout. Oh, blowout potential, really? Oh, the thing was, I guess with Ohio State, I never saw the Big Ten championship blowout come. Or not the Big Ten championship, the rivalry week, the game. I never saw that come. Yeah. And that's a weird thing, too, because it was a one-score game halfway through the fourth quarter, too. I just think Ohio State's uh, defense does a lot of blitzes. They could give a lot of big plays. Like, I don't know. Their defense isn't on the same tier as Michigan and Georgia's. Um, maybe they're close, but not really. Like, both those are top five defenses. Maybe Ohio State's, like, top 15. But it makes a big difference. Give me up those big plays. So the other game, TCU versus Michigan, is actually the biggest line that we are going to talk about. It's Michigan by eight. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I think this game's a little blown out of proportion. Everyone thinks Michigan's going to dominate. Uh, TCU's not a bad team. They... They beat every team on their schedule. They just lost in the rematch against Kansas State, which I would argue they didn't really even lose because I thought that was a touchdown in overtime. But regardless of the point, though, uh, TC's only loss of the season was uh, to a top 10 team in overtime that they already beat earlier in the year. Uh, and they, I mean, they consistently beat a lot of good teams. They beat Texas that had Quinn years, even Bama couldn't say that, on the road. Uh, so TC is a pretty solid team. And I think they really do deserve to be the playoffs. And Michigan is a little more vulnerable. I think that Ohio State game made people think that Michigan's really, really good, but they were pretty close at Ohio State. Made me think that. <laughs> That's still in my mind. I mean, they're okay, I'm not going to be a hater and say they're bad. They're, they are an amazing team. They're 13-0. But that Ohio State game was pretty close. It was. It was a few plays that made them blow it open, but it was close. And honestly, Michigan had four touchdowns that are over 50 yards in that game. It's not like they were going down the field against Ohio State. They had four big plays that Ohio State's defense just had a lot of uh, gambles, took a lot of gambles, and they capitalized. That didn't happen against Illinois the week before the Ohio State game, where Michigan couldn't move the ball. This would be one of those trick games that, I don't know, I think the crowd uh, is overinflating how good Michigan is. I do think they will win, but it's not going to be like... Michigan's a whole new tier than TCU. They're both good teams, and Michigan's not like Michigan's not Georgia. Yeah, I think I like that point. They're not Georgia where they can just handle everyone week in and week out. Um, and I think maybe that Ohio State game too. They're so good against them, or they look so good against them because that's a familiar opponent, and like crazy things can happen when you're playing a familiar opponent. Yeah, rivalry game. Yeah, and TCU probably wants to show everyone that's been talking a lot, like. Yo, count us all out, but like we're here. And fresh off a loss too. That's a good motivation. That is true. So I could definitely I think this one, even though the line, even though the spread is bigger, has way more upset potential than Ohio State. So I could see I could see TCU Georgia as the final. I could see TCU Georgia or Michigan Georgia. I really mm-hmm. and I think either way Georgia wins. I cannot see Ohio State getting through, I'm gonna be honest. Yeah, I'm a little scared for Ohio State, but that air raid offense is is dangerous, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, Georgia just seems so unbeatable, but that's interesting, though. You think TCU could pull it off more likely than Ohio State can? I do. I do. Just because... Actually, TCU does have air raid offense, too. Yeah, well, it's also more because, like, I think 
thing is Georgia and, and Michigan their style of play is pretty similar too. But I think Georgia's just much better at like controlling the game and controlling opponent than Michigan. Yeah, yeah. Man, I mean Michigan was down at the half against Ohio State and was struggling it actually was struggling against Purdue for a little bit too. Michigan just uh I think Michigan's brutal offensive line kind of just tires down another team and get some big plays towards the end of games. But yeah. Hank, that's what happened against Penn State, whereas Penn State was up at, at the half too. I just feel like Michigan's one of those teams that'll beat you down throughout the game. But if TCU could, you know, spread the ball out like they do on offense, they could be they could, they might be able to keep up with those big plays that Michigan has. I think though Michigan's not gonna be able to just like ground and pound and wear down Georgia though. That's why I'm like confident they'll win. Because they're I think their D line will give Michigan just a fit. Yeah. I think I mean that's that's what happened last year in the playoffs. Uh you just can't move Jalen Carter. You can't move all those big guys that Georgia has. Uh yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, exactly. I think the only team though that could beat Georgia, in my opinion, is Ohio State because they have the passing game. TCU does have passing game, but TCU's defense and TCU's lo- is just a much weaker team in terms of like trenches play. At least Ohio State has the skilled positions to keep up with Georgia, but in all honesty, I think Georgia is the most complete team and it's probably going to be an SEC championship. Alright, so we're not going to record for a couple weeks probably. We will probably have... We'll talk again before the championship game, before the national championship game. So give me your predictions for the college football playoffs, you know, both games. I'm predicting a good playoffs. I'm predicting both underdogs to cover, but the both teams that are going to win to win. So I think Ohio State keeps it close with uh, Georgia, surprisingly, and it's going to be a late uh, finish, uh, close game. Uh, and then I think TCU also does the same thing against Michigan. I don't think Michigan's going to blow them out. So, But I do think it's going to be Michigan-Georgia rematch in the championship game. Rematch from last year, but not a championship rematch, that is. Um, I think Georgia covers. It was a touchdown would cover for them, right? Yeah. Yeah, six and a half. Yeah. I'm going to go Georgia covers because I think this game is going to be touchdowns, not as much field goals. Um, And then for TCU-Michigan, I I think I'm just trying to like counter my recency bias here. So I'm going to go TCU covers. I almost want to say upset. I hope so. <laughs> but, I mean, I think it'd be crazy. They're actually crazy enough, though they would be the first Big 12 team to win a playoff game because Oklahoma never won a game in the playoffs. Um, but I I don't think I can go so far as to say TCU upset. I'm not confident enough to say that. Uh, just because normally, like in the big situations, I, I'll be honest, I like to just favor the big program. So I'm going to say TCU covers and Georgia covers. That's, that's what I'm going to go with. And that's what I'm most confident in, yeah. Um, so we'll also keep doing our NFL pickums, uh, but we'll just update them. We'll do them offline, and then when we talk again a couple of weeks, we can just run through all of them, or maybe just run through them all after college football championship. And we'll do the same with the locks. We'll just keep doing them offline for a couple of weeks and just see see where we're at. Um, last week wasn't great, but we'll update them as we go now. <laughs> yeah, excited to see how that goes. But yep. We'll see. We'll see everyone in the next New Year. Then, yes, uh, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year's. We'll see you all next year before the College Football Championship.